Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Strategic Whimsy Experiment. Today, we are reviewing a super satisfying film. And if you're having a stressful week and you just need to let off some steam, we highly recommend watching The Old Guard, available on Netflix. We're excited to review this film today. Uh, Sarah, do you want to kick us off with an IMDb summary? I do. A covert team of immortal mercenaries are suddenly exposed and must now fight to keep their identity a secret just as an unexpected new member is discovered. Awesome. Classic action movie premise. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. So what was your summary for The Old Guard? My summary is an action movie steeped in grief. Oh, very good. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. Lighthearted, but not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was. It's a balance between those two. Yeah. Okay, mine is one of a few, if not the only, film where bullets spit themselves out of bodies. <laughs> I would love to know if there's another movie where this happens. <laughs> um, Wolverine. Uh, okay. I think that's the the other one. That's there's some yeah, close up shots does. of that where I was like, this is mm-hmm. imagine being the like CGI effects dude having to work on that spe- specific <laughs> clip. Like, you make come that home look from work, okay? <laughs> you come home from work and it's like, oh, what'd you do today? Well, you know, had some bullets just pop out of people. It's yeah, fine. really tried to imagine what it would look like if bullets were to spit <laughs> yeah. themselves out of human flesh. gosh what a weird task i know right okay so let's start off with initial thoughts on the old guard and also if you had read the comic series on this which i learned um after doing some research on this film that there's a whole series already existing with the the story and the premise yeah i didn't know that there was a a comic series about this um like you, I found out about it afterwards while I was researching the movie. Clearly, we uh, are very much in the know with the comic book world. <laughs> super fans out here. Yeah, if you want <laughs> experts on comic books, you got to go listen to a different podcast. Yep. <laughs> so I had first uh, heard of this movie because it uh, it popped up as like coming soon on IMDb. And I was like, oh, an action movie with Charlie's, I'm here for it. Um, and then I, I found out that it was a Netflix original. And I was like, man, this is probably going to be trash. But you know what? I'm, I'm here for it. And uh, it wasn't trash. I was pleasantly surprised. Um, I turned it on expecting it to be all action and no substance. And within the first couple of minutes, I I said to myself, like, oh, crap, this is actually going to be good. And um, (laughs) it it really was. I I was impressed that even though the plot structure is nothing new, and it, you know, followed all of the the traditional um, points in a in an action movie, that the characters were so well formed and so much more so than we often see in an action movie and to me that helped make it more exciting and made it fresh even though you know on the surface it's like most other action movies out there Mm -hmm. yeah I was prepared for this to be terrible as well um Partially when, when Sarah had discovered this film, she'd given me the, like, Charlize is in it. It's an action movie. The premise sounds kind of wonky. So it could be terrible. But Charlize is in it. So, you know, we got to do it. And um, she is absolutely fantastic in this film. Oh, my gosh. What a truly badass woman she is in this movie. But you're right. There's a lot of really interesting things that the movie does with the premise that I was um, not prepared for. I thought this was going to be that generic, like, kind of uh, hokey, immortal beings type of plot that is just so out there and beyond reality that <laughs> it's it's kind of um, comical to see the roles of the universe play out. And in The Old Guard, they really explore the implications of immortality, um, both how that affects 
you know, the way that you process losing people and grief and having to live beyond all of the people that you love in your life, but also around like the implications of being captured as being the worst thing that could happen to you was really fascinating. Um, so I think there's a lot of interesting things to unpack, um, some really great character moments as well. Uh, it was also really cool to see a lot of uh, actors and actresses that are not big stars that were in this film and doing a pretty stellar job. Um, so I think all around it was a really, really fun experience and offered some new fresh ideas to chew on and munch on. So yeah. I think it's hard to talk about this film without spoil spoiling it. So do we want to insert a spoiler alert or do we want to talk about a few things before we get there? Why not? Let's just put it in here and then we can just go wherever we want. Have full freedom. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. If you haven't yet seen The Old Guard, uh, we, we recommend checking it out. It's available on Netflix. One of the interesting things that I saw when I was browsing through Netflix yesterday that it is, at least as of last night, the top number one movie that people are watching on Netflix in the U.S., which was surprising to me. I didn't expect it to to catch that many people's attention. I guess we're all just home and needing things to do during this quarantine. So Charlize in an action movie, heck yeah. Um, but if you haven't seen it yet, this is one that we don't want to spoil. There's some interesting twists and turns that happen along the way. So, all right, what should we talk about first? Oh man, there is so much. Um... Let's start with one of the things that you mentioned in your summary for the film, which is around the, the way that the film explores grief and what we as humans do in response to grief. And also the heavy cynicism that Charlize's character Andy has um, having seen humanity essentially still destroying itself after centuries. I think she lived in over the course of hundreds of thousands of years, right? And um, I guess after you've seen so much, there's just deep-rooted cynicism. And I think she begins to um, be healed of that and have her hope and faith restored in that final moment with Niall, um, which is kind of a, I, I think it, they didn't overdo it. It wasn't like this Disney storybook ending where she's now all chipper and has her spring <laughs> back in her step, but it was a nice touch um, that I think speaks to like the human connection. So let's talk about that first because I think it was a unique tone that was added to what is usually in an action movie, very lighthearted CGI action um, very like mission driven. And I think this film is a lot more character driven. Yeah, for sure. Um, when you first see Andy, you know, I thought of a, um, almost like the, the buddy cop kind of movies where, you know, you have the, the world weary detective and then he gets assigned a new partner and the partner is all excited. And then both of them change in the process. Like, so, you know, seeing, Andy's character being so like weary from the world and just exhausted by humanity. Um, I, I was excited to see how that would play out. And I agree that they didn't do it. They weren't heavy handed with the positivity at the end. Mm -hmm. um, I also felt so much empathy for Andy. Like I have, lived only a fraction of the years <laughs> that she has a very, very minuscule percentage of all of her years. And yet like in this season, I, I feel similarly, I'm just, I'm exhausted by, by the constant news and the, the, you know, the, the loss of life and just everything that's going on in our world right now. I'm just, I'm fatigued by it. And, um, so her, expressing that in a way that that didn't feel like you know like woe is me poor me I'm so depressed but it was this I don't know you just you felt the weight of it on her shoulders mm -hmm. um and I feel like that's probably something that a lot of us are carrying but we don't necessarily know what to do with it um so I feel like this film 
in some ways answered that. You know, if you're looking around the world and you're seeing all of these things and you're exhausted by it, number one, you're not alone. But number two, like you can do things to help. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think of the 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 cashier who saw Andy in trouble and was like, Hey, I'll I'll help you. I'll patch up this wound. And yes. she understood the ripple effects of that action. Um and I love that this film explored that connectedness. You know, we do something today. We don't know who that might impact or, or who that might help down the line. Um, so it was, a, it was a hopeful film while also not being too hopeful, which mm-hmm. I like. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think maybe one of the reasons why her cynicism it worked and it wasn't the whole woe is me um, type of character is potentially that we just find out about her challenges and her struggles and her hardships through the other characters. So through her, um, through Joe and Nikki and Booker, there's like those quieter moments where they're talking about things with Niall and they'll just mention things that have affected Andy or why she is the way she is. And so potentially that, that, that helps because I think for her being such a, um, I think I, I want to say closed off, but that feels like she's not warm, but just more guarded. Maybe that's the word I wanted to use. Guarded, uh-huh, old guard. Um, <laughs> well played. <laughs> uh, I think it wouldn't have felt authentic for her to reveal all of those parts of herself um, to Niall, but Niall kind of finds that out through the other characters. Um, the other thing that I thought also, was, go ahead. I think it's also in her, you know, her body language too. Like mm-hmm. you can just tell, and Charlize is just such a good actress that she can just communicate some of these things physically through her emotions or, or how she moves that mm-hmm. you don't even need to, she doesn't need to say anything. You just know, like, man, she's exhausted. She's mm-hmm. really tired. And Mm -hmm. I think that this film understands that we as viewers are intelligent and we can pick up on those subtle body language things Mm -hmm. um, without needing like a page of text to tell us what's going on in her mind. Yeah. Yeah. Also speaks to our acting ability for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the other interesting moment that happens is when Charlize sees the, the, the bulletin boards that, Copley has put together of all of the moments mm-hmm. and centuries that she's been in and I think for it's I think that scene is meant to be a, a big moment for Niall and for her to see um, all the good that Charlize Charlize's character has done but I think it also contributes to Charlize realizing like I've done a lot and it's been worth it and I'm tired but it's still worth it and you see a like a renewed sense of energy that her and Niall and John and Nikki step out and as they go on to their next mission, um, which I think also speaks to like just looking back and seeing how far we've also come to as well as, as people. I think we can get lost in the day-to-day and um, especially during Corona time. Heck, easy to get lost in the day-to-day. <laughs> yeah, when all the days blur together mm-hmm. into one. Yes. Yep. And you're like, I just, all I do is wake up eat, go to work. And then, yeah, it's the same, the same thing again, again. Yeah. But I, I, I think you're right that that ability to, for her to zoom out and see, um, I think it was even Niall said something to the effect of like, you're in it, so you can't see it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so once they were able to zoom out, then she was able to realize, um, even her exhaustion and her her disappointment in the world, you know, it's it's not for nothing. Um, I also love that Copley had his own little like redemptive arc too. Mm. You know that he he started this whole thing off because of his grief, and he he thought that he was using it for for good. You know, to create this this cure for these incurable diseases and, and just kind of along the way he got a little bit lost. So it's also, it was also nice to see 
him and his skills and what he brought to the table being used for good instead of evil once he allowed his his humanity to override um, his grief. Yeah, along the same theme of grief, which is so prevalent in this film, um, is Booker's character, which mm-hmm. um, I thought was really interesting. They gave him enough time and moments to for us as the viewers to to feel with him and just kind of hear his experiences because for I think a good part of the film he's just like execution dude like he's out he's doing his thing he does his job he he obeys orders and then we get that moment with him and um Niall I think in the abandoned mine Mm -hmm. and you hear about him going through having to lose his family and to also have his family believe that he didn't care about them enough to tell them what was going on with him um and the moment when he makes that betrayal um for his entire group his his um his clan he is also acting out of guilt and mm-hmm. um and grief and and shame and wanting to escape that in whatever way he can which even if it's to give up him and his, himself and his friends to their enemy and I loved that that moment with Niall didn't come out of the blue. So like when you first meet Booker, he and Andy are, you know, walking into whatever that hotel room or wherever they're at. And at some point in that interaction is when you first see him take a drink out of his flask. Mm-hmm. And you see that flask pop up again and again and again and again and again. And so, like, immediately, I was like, oh, there's something there. He's dealing with something or processing through something that he he isn't aware of. So you're able to see through his actions that all is not right in his world. And then he has that moment with Niall. Like, if that mm-hmm. had just come out of the blue and we hadn't seen um, his brokenness in subtle ways leading up to that, it would have been such a cheesy moment that <laughs> would have meant absolutely nothing but because we had learned that about the character as spending time with him and I mean honestly the acting was so good (laughs) that Mm -hmm. it just it worked and then I I love that the betrayal wasn't just like you know I'm I'm out for power or money or or something like that like it was I, he he wanted to end Andy's suffering, but he also wanted to end his own suffering. And so he was willing to betray the group in order for them to finally get peace, um, which is such a, a, a deep motivator. And it, it was really, really refreshing for me for that to be the twist instead of something yeah. far more, you know, trite. Or generic, which is yeah. what you mentioned around like, I've been, Andy's been leading this the whole time, but I wanted yeah. to be the one leading it, which is what we would often get. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And it's also interesting that his motivation is, it's one of those like half truths. Like, it, uh, what do they say? The best, the worst lies are the ones that are half truths, where there's something somewhat altruistic about it where he mm-hmm. wants to help end yes himself his own suffering but also for Andy as well and just seeing her exhaustion and the just how much of a burden she's been carrying for yeah. you know, centuries and wanting to end that for her and it's it's well-intentioned but maybe slightly twisted in a way that has now led him to this place but you're right it's not the it's not a pure evil moment. And even in other movies where where people are immortal, like I feel like those films usually focused on a character that has, you know, they've achieved wealth and status and all of these things. But, but for this film, they're not concerned with those things. Like they've, mm-hmm. they've lived long enough that they don't care about... <laughs> you know, amassing wealth or any of these other things like they, so it was just nice to see these, 
these characters, even though, you know, immortality is impossible, they, they were so human because mm-hmm. I, I, if I imagine it, like if you've lived for that long and you've seen that many things, you're not going to care about a lot of the things that we currently focus on and care about. Mm-hmm. You're going to, you're going to care more about, you know, the important things you're going to care about your, your family, even though if that looks a little bit weird, you're going to care about wanting to make things better for humanity. So it was just nice to see in the little and big things that they did in this film, they kept that, you know, 30,000 foot view instead of focusing in on the little things. Yeah, it's interesting. The The wisdom they have from having seen so much and seeing the patterns of humanity is mm-hmm. is really fascinating. And I think it's one that you're right for most of us that are living our small, humble little lives don't usually don't have that 3,000 foot view naturally. We may find that through books and movies and reading about history and realizing like the the patterns in humanity and the common um, temptations and motivators and things like that. But it it's not natural for us when our lives are more confined to our day-to-day and the tasks that we need to get done. Um, so I can't imagine the the level of wisdom that they have to have seen humanity over and over again uh, rise and then destroy itself. I think there's a line that Charlize says where she she says, nothing is getting better. And mm-hmm. I think that happens like in the one of the earlier parts of the movie where they find a find out about that mission that they need to go on to save the the girls that have been captured. She's just like nothing is getting better. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, so exhausting. Like, <laughs> I wouldn't and I think that's another thing. Like in a lot of movies, it's like, oh my gosh, to be able to live forever. Like that's the goal that people are like chasing after. And they're like, yes, I want to be able to live forever. And these these guys are like, nah, man, you don't want this. This this ain't great. That <laughs> Which was I really it was great. I appreciated that. Yes. Oh my gosh. I loved the way that the premise and the the movie explored the implications of immortality. I thought it was really fascinating. It in my head it feels like world building, but it's not really world building, mm-hmm. but it is kind of exploring like what are the rules of yeah. immortality in this in this universe where the old gar exists in. And you're right, I had the thought when Niall first found out about it and she's like really upset and um, she's fighting it. I'm like, in my head, this isn't this desirable? I mean, there's so many legends and myths that we've read throughout centuries and that people have created um, in their stories around the desire to find immortality. Um, and so I just kept asking myself, like, why isn't she more excited about this? Like, there's <laughs> got to be some like like benefits and excitement around this. And then you hear the story of Quinn and it's just an interesting um implication or scenario that I just never had thought too much about um for what it would be like to to be captured and have to be tortured for eternity because you are immortal so that the natural death that a human would have like being put in an iron um armor chest and thrown into the bottom of the sea like how painful that must be and how much they must truly fear that. Never thought about yeah. that for more yeah. than maybe and five seconds, if, any, if at all. Yeah. Because it's, it's never really explored in movies. And, mm-hmm. and if it is like, I could be wrong. I have not watched every movie ever created, but in, if, if there's, if there's an immortal person in a film, if they're captured you know that they're going to be released. Like they, they might experience a little bit of fear, but there's, there's usually, you know, you know that somebody is coming to get them and they will be freed again. So Mm -hmm. there's, you don't see the consequences of that capture, which doesn't, so then you don't think about it Mm -hmm. because it's kind of nonchalant. Um, But I, I think that seeing that terror was, just a a new and creative way to look at this, 
thing that so many other stories have have idolized. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It kind of takes what we know and puts it in a different context with different mm-hmm. angles and lights and asks us to look at it and re-examine, which is always so exciting when you can take something that feels already done many, many, many times before and see it in a new light. It's, it's kind of thrilling. And they did it in an action movie, which <laughs> yeah. is just, it's so unexpected. And, mm-hmm. and all of this character building and, and world building didn't detract from the action and the excitement of the film, yeah. which is truly impressive. And it's also challenging to, to convey the, like the rules of a universe in a way that is exciting and doesn't kind of slow down the momentum of an action movie. I think John Wick does a pretty good job of this as well. Mm-hmm. Um, they perhaps serve as moments for us to catch our breath and we so we do some world building and then we go out and we're on some second mission or adventure um but without it being too like okay i'm going to tell you how the world works now uh yeah (laughs) take some creative filmmaking i think to to weave that in in a seamless way and i love that the the rules in the old guard were that you can die eventually and so then that, because it, it would be so easy in a film about immortal people for there to be no tension and no stakes because you're, they're not going to die. So who mm-hmm. cares? But that infusion of, but wait, she can die. And the fact that it was the leader um, just made it all the more exciting. That, that and, and the way that it's revealed too, that we mm-hmm. see that she's injured before the characters do, then that makes Booker's betrayal that much more hard to swallow. And you can see the guilt just compound in him. And then for the team to all see it and then rally around her and and circle her and protect her Mm -hmm. as she's still going out and just being a badass. Like it just made it so much more exciting for that final third when it could have just been kind of Mm. stale and boring yeah you're so right like we thought we knew the stakes but Mm -hmm. the stakes just got pushed (laughs) up a little higher yeah I want to know when that happens how that happens at what point does your time come like Mm -hmm. tell me more yeah I'm like is it like after x number of you know times being killed then you are then it actually you know, sticks. Mm-hmm. I, I had, I had many, many questions, but I suppose that there haven't been enough of them to really do like a, like a qualitative <laughs> study. So we just, we may never know. There's the great big database of, of <laughs> lifespans for all immortal beings. Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> when there's only been one confirmed that has died for real. <laughs> oh man. Can we talk about the ending? Yes. Oh my gosh. It's like a Marvel-esque post-credit scene that we got. So about halfway through the film, <laughs> I said to myself, they're going to create a sequel and it's going to be like Copley is Charlie and then the rest of them are the fighters and it's going to be like a new version of Immortal Charlie's Angels. <laughs> and I really, really hate it when I'm right. And I was, I, I loved so much about this movie and I was in it to win it. And I was like, this is great. Y'all are doing awesome work. I'm here for this. And then they were like, oh, wait, we're going to prime you for a sequel. And I went, oh, no, I don't (laughs) want a sequel. I don't want it. See, we'll disagree to disagree for this one because most of the time I share the same sentiment. Like, just do a good job on one and don't try and make more money off of the same premise. But for this one, I'm all in for a sequel. I am <laughs> pumped for it. I want it. I'm here for it. I think I'm just not trusting of sequels and I don't have enough experience of being proved wrong. So <laughs> I, I hope that the sequel is good. 
if it's the same creator, same director, same people involved, it has the potential to be good. But sequels are really, really difficult to write and execute well. And uh, when you set the bar this high, it's, uh, I don't know, you're opening yourself up to little disappointment. So, (laughs) but I hope it's good. I suppose when your film has become the number one movie on Netflix being watched, I guess you go, you say to yourself, well, we could probably make money on a second one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think that also just shows, you know, the power of marketing. Like Mm -hmm. when I, when I got onto Netflix yesterday to watch this movie, it was, you know, the top thing on the banner. And Mm -hmm. so I just, I wonder, um, if something is on that top banner when you first log in, how by how much that increases, you know, the yeah. the number of views. And so I, I think it has to do a lot with marketing. And also like the old guard, it was all over IMDB and I don't know how many other websites. Hmm. So I think Netflix's marketing, it worked. And also Charlie's is a big draw. Yes. So I'm I'm not surprised that this shot up to number one on like the first day. Yeah, I think you're right. And it's a shame because I feel like it's just a positive feedback loop where it shows up there once, a few people watch it, it starts to gain momentum and now it's showing up everywhere. And then all of a sudden now it's the top number one thing watched on Netflix, which is probably how Tiger King became mm-hmm. just a, a thing for like yeah. three weeks where everyone was talking about it because some group somewhere was just like, you know what would be funny if we got all of America <laughs> to watch this random documentary series. But you're right, power of marketing. And in this case, like the old guard is actually good. So I want more people to watch <laughs> this. So I'm I'm here for this, but I've seen it, you know, other times with like Spencer Confidential, which was a trash movie. It was so bad, but it was on that top, banner on that login screen mm-hmm. and people watched it and it was number one for days even yeah. though it was a horrible movie so if if netflix can use its its marketing powers for good then um you know that'd be great <laughs> like a, a combination of like you pay us money and we'll promote your stuff but also we will vet it <laughs> yeah that would be like nice. yes you can't you can throw us money but we will also judge your your content first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I'm I was I was impressed that this is a Netflix film and because yeah. I've just grown to equate Netflix originals as just bad movies. And so it's it's cool to see Netflix giving such a talented director and a talented creative team um use of their platform yeah. and and I hope that we see more quality content like this coming out yeah and I wonder how where directors go to have their content be seen by the world will change so drastically as well in this mm-hmm. corona world I think that yeah that's this is the best thing that could happen to Netflix and Amazon Prime and Disney plus oh my gosh yeah yeah because I mean we're all stuck at home so mm-hmm. Got to figure out a way to entertain ourselves. We're just all, yeah, consuming content. Yeah, and and in a in a season where we're we're just dying for more content, um, it would be easy to push out just crap. But yeah, there there are some good things being released, and I'm I'm just so happy that we're we're not just. I don't know, left with the, the scraps or the, you know, the second tier (laughs) stuff, but there are, are new original films on, you know, multiple platforms that are, are really, really high quality and are worth our time watching. Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay. What else did we want to talk about? Can we talk about the women in this movie? Yes, that was a topic that I had. <laughs> the women and the diversity. Yes. And it's not like pandering to us as the audience. 
Yeah. Yeah. It didn't feel like tokenism. Nope. Yeah. I think, I think one of the things that I was struck with initially, and this could just be me reading into way too many things. So please tell me if I'm just being extra, but when we first see Andy and Booker walking in and we first meet the team, every one of them calls Andy boss like multiple times in that one conversation. Mm. And they, they do continue that throughout, but then they start to say her name throughout the movie. But in that first conversation, I think they all refer to her just as boss. Yeah, I and think so, you're right. Because I, for a while I was like, what is her name? Yeah. I, was, I like had to pick up on that a little bit later in the film after we had already spent a lot of time with her. So I think you're right. So I just, I wondered if they they felt like they had to do that because a a woman leading a group of men in an action movie is just not something that you see. And so if people mm. were to watch this, I feel like our brains are just tailored to assume that the man is in charge and not the woman. Thankfully, mm. we're destroying all of that stuff right now. But I wonder if they had to include that so that we as the audience would know, oh no, she's 100% in charge. None of these guys are vying for her spot. She is mm. it. Yeah, like let's tattoo it to her forehead just yeah. to make sure everyone knows. <laughs> Give her yeah. a name tag. I am the boss. <laughs> I'm the boss, bitch. <laughs> yeah, no, that was really, really cool to see. I think, I don't know if it's just because the last time that I've seen that or that I can think of prominently is Mad Max where Charlize is calling the shots and what's his face? Tom Harding? Tom, mm-hmm. Tom Hardy, yeah. yep. Tom Hardy is just, kind of going along with it um so I'm like you know what she just belongs in this position of power and responsibility (laughs) and leadership um but you're right now that I think about it a lot of the action movies that we've seen this is not the case yeah it's it's usually a man leading it and the woman is typically it's it's like a white man in charge and then it's either like a white woman or a black man as the number two and then the third one is whichever other you know diversity pick was not the number two and and then the fourth one is usually you know whatever else probably another like white guy Mm -hmm. Um, but this just absolutely destroyed you know, the normal structure of an action team, which I loved. I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, we, we don't need to continue to follow that old pattern. We can create something else. And this worked really, really well. Mm-hmm. Yep. And in the, the way that she was able to be firm, at, but also nurturing and warm, um, not always warm, I guess, but (laughs) tender maybe um, and protective was really, really cool. I know we we covered this a lot on our Mad Max episode, but to me, I think it's maybe one of Charlize's just incredible abilities, which is to be so many types of femininity all together um, wrapped up in one and it's not a contradiction. They truly are feeding into each other because you see her – protective nature and the way that she looks out for her people and is able to be um, more quiet and more mellow and let them um, offer their ideas and things like that. But she also, when the time comes, says, wait for the signal and you wait. (laughs) Um, So I I think that was also really cool to see yet again from Charlize. And we see something similar in Niall as well. I... I absolutely loved that she is a black woman, a Marine, grew up on the south side of Chicago. And my favorite moment with her was when they were in the mine and without any context, she was able to pick out a Rodan. I was like, this Mm -hmm. is a complex human person and this is incredible. Mm -hmm. And just just the fact that, you know, they, they showed in this film multiple female Marines and that they were there serving their country with honor, but yet they were still women. They were still feminine. Um, I, I think that that was a really 
beautiful and important addition to this film. Yeah, I agree. And without any like fanfare about it and without Mm -hmm. like what I envision is like those red arrows that you have on like YouTube video thumbnails. That's like, look here, look here, you know? Um, (laughs) Yeah. It's just very matter of fact, the way that the film presents that. Yeah. Because I mean, that's, that's what we have in the military today. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it just felt like a more accurate representation of the people who are serving our country. And that's great. Yeah. And you see her too. I think the first few moments that we meet Niall, she's talking to the kids and giving them mm-hmm. candy and laughing yeah. with them. And then the minute she has a job to do, she pulls it together and, and, carries out the mission that she's called to do. And I think it was cool to see both of those sides of her also within a few seconds of each other when we first meet her. Yeah, you learn so much about her in those first moments and and see her, her love for people and her desire to do good. Um, and also her, um, how conflicted she is about having to take a life, but knowing that it's, it's part of her duty and, and she's, she's serving her country and the world by doing that. Mm -hmm. There's, there's a lot of complexity to that first few minutes that we meet her. And again, I think that's just some really good writing and really good acting too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One of the things that I also jotted down about Niall is the way that she is asking so many questions of Andy and of the group as they go through every step mm-hmm. of the process and kind of respect, respectfully challenging why it is that they do what they do and what the implications are of it. Um, she's not just blindly saying, okay, you've called me to this thing. Like I'm going to go do it. Let me just join your crew now. No questions asked. I'm here for it. Like there's a, almost a healthy amount of skepticism and, um, examination that she does, which I thought was really smart to include in this film. I think very realistic too. I mean, uh, I think that would be most people's reaction, but it reminded me a lot of what we're beginning to do at work. And again, this might be just kind of superimposing my personal experiences onto this movie, which I guess we do anyway, uh, with any movie that yeah. we watch, but we're doing a similar thing at work right now with our hiring practices and how, a good chunk of our team is not very diverse and is very white or Asian because there's a lot of whites and Asians that are just in the design community in tech and that are um, getting these degrees and um, in the local universities that we often recruit from. And so we're having a lot of conversations now of like we've, this has just worked for us for so many years that we now need to start challenging, like, why are we doing it the way that we are? We can't just do it the way that we have been because it's worked so successfully for us. Like, there's got to be a greater level of intentionality that we do. And so I think Niall represented a lot of that to me as well, is the healthy practice of challenging existing processes. And it's cool, too, to see the way that Andy is patient and welcomes that and um, has answers for her as well for why they are the way that they are and why they operate the way that they do. But I love that Andy, she was, she was semi-patient. Like she, she was both annoyed, but she, she would welcome those things and she knew when to give answers and when to just, like shut Nile down. Like, I don't know, there was a, like a weird balance of, I, I know what you need to know right now. And the rest I will fill you in about later. Mm-hmm. And so you kind of had that like tug of war between them. And, and once Niall was introduced to the rest of the team, then they were able to fill in more that maybe Andy wasn't as willing or, or ready to disclose to Niall. So it was also kind of cool to see how she knew like, okay, I'm going to give you enough to get you to come with me, but then I'm going to let the people people do the rest of it. And I'm just going to 
figure out what we're going to do to solve this problem. Mm. Very true, because had she mentioned when they were in that plane, oh, by the way, if you get captured, you may be tortured for the yeah. rest of your life until eternity, until you, <laughs> the universe decides that it's time for you to go. A <laughs> lot more problems for her. Yeah, maybe yep. let's not like lead with that. You know, like you don't have that in your like orientation packet. Nope. You know, we'll, we'll save that for later. <laughs> That's for like the fifth week of school. When you realize yeah. that you're like in a community of like other people who are also going through it and you have support and okay, now we'll give you a little bit of the harder realities. One of the questions that I did have though was about like those dreams and Niall seemed to be like constantly having dreams about other immortal people. And so I was like, okay, what is with that? Like, does everybody dream? Is this specific to her? Is she like a, a certain type of immortal that is like the dreamer immortal? Like, I just, <laughs> I wanted to know more about that, but we're just, it, it helped move the plot forward. So it's fine. But I did have more questions about that. Mm. Yeah. And also that moment where they all dreamed of her. Yeah. And we're yeah, like filling in the different pieces. Yeah, I wanted to know more about that. But again, they probably don't know how that part of this whole thing works. They just know that it happens. So that's all the information we got because that's mm -hmm. all the information they had. Yep. And they can they dream of each other? All of my questions. And if so, did they? how come they didn't dream that Quinn is now apparently exactly. out of the ocean? Yep. Okay, so I also want to know if Quinn is going to come for Andy for revenge, for giving up on her, or what's going to happen with her and, and Booker? Are they going to team up? Like, what's next? I got to know. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of different ways that they can go with that. And I really hope that with Quinn, they are as nuanced as they have been with all of the other characters and make mm -hmm. her just as complex. Because if she's overly vengeful or overly forgiving, it won't feel real. So there needs to be a balance between those two. Um, and I also think that if Quinn is out for vengeance, Booker wouldn't give into that because he is so wracked with guilt and he still has so much love for Andy that he would stop her. So then, like, Quinn would have to kill him, which you can't kill an immortal. So she'd have to do something to him. It, you know, so there, there's a lot of different ways that they could go with it, mm -hmm. depending on what they want to do and what their goal is. Oh, I'm excited. I hate to say it. I'm here for the sequel. I'm so nervous. <laughs> like, please don't ruin it. The first one was so good. This is true. Ugh, don't destroy it. <laughs> okay, I wanted to give a shout out to the fact that they gave Booker a punishment. Mm-hmm. Yes. I loved that. There was a, a sense of honor and a sense of... I don't want to say justice, that feels like the wrong word, but more like your actions have consequences. It reminds me yeah. a lot of John Wick's world of where honor and um, consequences are part of the narrative and it's part of how the world works, which I think is very reflective of the world that we live in. Like you, you do wrong and like there are, you can't just escape the consequences and it was really interesting to me too that his punishment was isolation and mm -hmm. to be away from community was the thing that they determined um, would be how he would have to kind of right his wrongs, which is fascinating to me because in a lot of other stories, it's, it's death or it's like being like jailed up, but like the worst thing for him is to be alone and, Oh, there's so many like interesting implications of that. And I loved that whole, um, I don't know, that whole scene. 
because you just you see him alone while while they're all deliberating and you know you're you're not quite sure he's not quite sure um where they're going to come out and and that goodbye between him and Andy yeah. was so tender and you could see just how sorrowful they both were but they both understand like you were saying there are consequences and you know, no matter how good his intentions were or how, you know, twisted he got along the way, um, he has to face that and he has to, you know, own up to what he did. And I don't know, that idea of he might never see her again because of this isolation. Like, mm-hmm. I think more than just the isolation itself, like, that was an immense punishment on its own. Yeah, I think you're so right. And you could see that she didn't want this either. Like there was yeah. no joy in doling this out. It kind of made me think of the way that parents will discipline their children. Like they don't want to, but it's it's almost for their benefit that this happens and this happens that way. Um And also I think there's a potentially just like a restoration of trust that can happen Mm -hmm. when he understands the consequences of his actions. Like there, if he were not to have received that and was to go back fighting side by side with his comrades, like it's almost like a, can we still trust you now or not? Um, You didn't pay your dues really. And I also loved um, you know, when, when Niall comes to, to free them all, um, that moment where like Joe and Nikki are about ready to just do something to Booker. They can't kill him, but they will sure want to hurt him. Mm -hmm. And Andy is like, no, there's no time for this. We will handle this later. And like her wisdom to go like, okay, stop it. We got a mission. Let's do this. was just, it was so perfect to me. And then the fact that like, them them moving through that I don't know that building to the penthouse was probably one of my favorite sequences mm. of the entire film just because they worked so well together and even though Booker had just betrayed them they they knew that he was still part of their team and were able to trust him in this immensely dangerous moment where they have mm-hmm. to protect Andy and he was fully part of the team even then. And I don't know, there's that, that scene and that sequence was just so So powerful to me. Yeah. So much on the line and so much that has happened just before that moment, that whole scene. Yeah. It's thrilling. I also love they moved through that building just with such precision too. (laughs) Like I just, ah, it, it was so fluid and so smooth and it, it was kind of cool to see like everybody's different style too, mm. but they all worked together in, in harmony with each other. And that's something that you can only develop after many, many years of being <laughs> with them. thousands. Yeah. But it was just, it was, it was, I love in action movies when you see, such a well choreographed sequence like that. And it's not just focused on like these big explosions and things, but you actually see how these, these fighters move. And this movie really, really showcased that well. Yes. I jotted down that I got some John Wick vibes, just Mm -hmm. watching their, the elegance of their choreography um, in those fight sequences. And again, like you were mentioning, the lack of effects that they had to use for a lot of those moments, just seeing like real things happening in front of you mm-hmm. um, was great. I think especially that scene where Andy is fighting like 30, 40 men in the <laughs> cathedral also gave me John Wick vibes, like put us in a dark place that's kind of creepy and one person against like a multitude of people and like we've got a John Wick formula happening (laughs) and I love that she uses an axe like if she like screw y'all's modern guns I'm just I got my trusty axe and (laughs) I'm just gonna kill it 
I'm going to kill all of you people. I don't care if I'm bleeding out and I ripped my stitches open. I don't care. I'm still going to win. Like it was just, uh, it was so good. She has this like fire in her eyes in those Mm -hmm. fight sequences as well. That is unreal. Yeah. Gosh, they were so good. I want to go watch them all over again now. <laughs> like, I'm trying to imagine who we could possibly have replaced her with and have it be as good. Yes. Yeah, that's what I was thinking while watching. And I was, I, I couldn't, I couldn't think of anybody. I also had the thought while watching this, like, can we figure out how Charlize can be in this uh, Black Widow origin story movie? Because I just want to watch her fight more. Oh, yeah, no, I didn't have that thought. I just want her somewhere fighting people. That's yeah. the only other one that I can think of. Yes. Like. Man, could you imagine? I don't, you never saw Logan, did you? Mm, I don't think so, no. Okay, so it was like a really like gritty, um, bloody, like violent Wolverine movie. And oh, yep, definitely I just, didn't see it. I, <laughs> I imagine like, what if like the Black Widow movie was like that instead of this like cheesy like comic booky movie like what if it was like really really gritty and if it was that then I would be all for Charlie's being in that but mm, because I think I see the saying. actual Black Widow movie is gonna be like too happy and too superhero-y mm, no Charlie's is too good for that like just no <laughs> I could see that that makes sense yeah but touché, I do agree. Touché. I want to see. I want to see more movies of her. Just man, just fighting people. That's great. <laughs> Love it, man. Whenever I'm having a bad day, I know <laughs> I know what to put on. It's it's so weird. Like I don't know the the old guard had such a good combination of action without being too violent there were moments of humor without being cheesy there were you know complex and and weighty messages in it without being preachy like it was just such a well-balanced film (laughs) that I it just it has a lot to offer and yeah I, I I agree I think it's a great one if you're having a rough day like yeah let's just pop this on but there's still so much more beyond that as well yeah yeah that never happens. It's so rare. <laughs> yeah, it really is. This one, it, it did a lot and it got the balance all right. Yeah, a lot of, I think, action movies can be a little cotton candy-esque where it's thrilling, but you leave the theater and you're like, well, that was a good story, I guess. <laughs> like the adrenaline, once the adrenaline has faded, there's not much left. But the old guard is like meat and potatoes with, Icing and sprinkles on top. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. This, it, it did a really good job. Highly recommended. I am hopeful for the sequel. I hope it's good. <laughs> oh, my God. We just need the, like, storytelling quality of Toy Story plus the world building of John Wick. <laughs> and add that to the mix of the current creators. Yeah. Yeah, we'll uh we'll see if if they can do it. You know, sequels are really really hard to do and um gosh, I hope that they do it well and they don't ruin this really good movie. <laughs> we'll just block it out of our memory if it's terrible. Yeah, exactly. Okay, any other shout-outs things that we wanted to mention? Um, I, I just, I wanted to give the shout out to the fact that Dudley Dursley is the villain in this movie. And I just, I I saw him and I was like, oh my gosh, it's Dudley. Oh, and you know, then he became predictably evil. And I was like, well, that, that, that tracks, you know, Dudley was the worst. So he just has the face of someone that, you know, just needs to be like, (laughs) took it taken down (laughs) yeah yeah it's true it's true and I mean he's made a good living off of it so good job 
way to know your niche and just <laughs> stick to it. I was also getting like Jesse Eisenberg vibes from the social network of just like this kid who just has this arrogance, but also just this like unwavering tenacity to like accomplish his mission that is he just can't let go of, you know, the curly hair. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he he played his evil villain role well. So it it was it was good. It was solid. The greatest Merrick moment is when he's holding that, yes. that axe which I'm sure has endured like centuries of time. <laughs> and it seems like there was there's that one shot where I think Booker or Nile hands it to Andy and they do a close up of like them passing it between their hands and it's like, okay, you know that this axe is, has some kind of just significance it's like the equivalent of um mm -hmm. the the king's sword that's being handed down but there's a moment where merrick's at the top of the stairs like <laughs> very unsure of himself holding this axe and it's really adorable all i could think of during that moment was like oh no he took her toy he <laughs> he's gonna get it like like i i feel like she could overlook or like get over a lot of things him touching her axe, though, like, nah, that, that's not forgivable. You're not going to come back from that. Which is just so perfect because that's the thing that ends up killing him. Yeah. It's great. Which, okay, can we just take a moment? And when Niall jumps <laughs> and they're falling to the ground, that was some awful CGI. Yes. Truly atrocious. It was terrible. <laughs> And I'm like, you spent so much money on this whole thing. You had good CGI of, like, their wounds healing up and stuff. Like, you couldn't spend just a little bit more money to clean that up to make that look good. Because, <laughs> man, the rest of the movie was stunning. And then we see, like, CGI from 2002. Like, no! They were just like, you already know, audiences, that this movie is good and we know what we're doing. We'll just, meh. That's fine. I was so bothered. I think I might have actually yelled at my TV because I was so bothered. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> yeah, that was great. But all well, in all, the other thing it was is there's good. some there's the moment that happens right after that with some decent CGI of like her yes. bones putting themselves back together. Yeah, that's so much harder. Yeah, so so we could have had a few less bones popping back into place and had a better <laughs> CGI swan dive from the penthouse. That's you know, how I would have allocated the money, but maybe I'm that's so just insane. me. Take the budget <laughs> and the time and resources. You can cut the shot of the bones going back in. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't need that. That's fine. I mean, or even just cut it down by, I don't know, 30 seconds because I mean that's a long time like her fingers were like going yeah, the wrong way her leg was the wrong way like there was a lot of bones going back into place you could have shown that for a shorter amount of time instead of like a full minute and uh maybe gotten a better CGI swan dive <laughs> maybe they thought it was comical they just fully dedicated themselves to the swan dive <laughs> they were like screening it and they're like you know what that's kind of funny let's leave it that way <laughs> it's entirely possible but man I was so distracted <laughs> but maybe I'm the only one I think my adrenaline was just so high that I anything could have happened and I would have been okay <laughs> <laughs> which is probably a better baseline for how people react <laughs> I'm sure that most people aren't watching it going oh no that was bad CGI and just like analyzing every single frame of the film <laughs> yeah, you're probably in the like 1% that also notices the the bug that happened on Phantom Thread when we watched that in the theater. It was so distracting. <laughs> My god. I'm still it still bothers me when I think about it. Gosh. Special anyway, special it's human. Fine. It's fine. I hope Just... you are never added to any user testing groups because <laughs> you would throw off all of the data. <laughs> I really would. But actually, I'm really good at testing things to find things that are wrong, though. But if it's a subjective <laughs> thing, then, you know, we're out the window because <laughs> I notice weird things. Sorry, y'all. <laughs> <laughs>
All right. Well, this was our review of The Old Guard. There's so much meaty things that this film tackles, and yet it is such a good time um, from beginning to end. It's available for streaming on Netflix. Um, you can join the rest of the U.S. population that is apparently also <laughs> watching this movie. Uh, we will be back next week with another episode. In the meantime, we hope you guys have a good week and that you are finding things that you love to do and your own little strategic whimsy projects. All right, we'll see you soon.